Their rooms were at opposite ends of the house, and she spent much of the day in bed. She'd stay up late in the evening, alone, reading about scandals and murders in the news of the world by lamplight, and she never answered the door, never saw anyone, did no housework. She cared only for her sister and her girlhood friends back in South Wales, and perhaps for me, since I had blue eyes and blonde hair and was a girl, so just possibly belonged to her family line. She thought men and women belonged to different races, and any getting together was worse than folly. The old devil, my grandfather, had talked her into marriage and the agony of bearing two children, and he should never be forgiven for it. She was short, about four foot ten, and as fat and soft-fleshed as he was thin and leathery. So her theory of separate races looked quite plausible. Looking back... I can see that she must have been a factor, along with the booze and the womanizing, in keeping him back in the church. She got her revenge, but at the cost of living in the muck heap herself. Between the two of them, my grandparents created an atmosphere in the vicarage so pungent and all-pervading that they accounted for everything. In fact, it wasn't so. My mother, their daughter, was there a shy, slender wraith kneeling on the stairs with a brush and dustpan, or washing things in the scullery. They'd made her into a domestic drudge after her marriage. My father was away in the army, and it was she who answered the door and tried to keep up appearances. She was pretty, but didn't like to smile. Her front teeth were false, crowned, a bit clumsily, because in her teens, running to intervene in one of their murderous rows, she'd fallen down the stairs and snapped off her own. She doesn't come into the picture properly yet, nor does my father. My only early memory of him is being picked up by a man in uniform and being sick down his back. It must have been his army pay that eked out grandfather's exiguous stipend, but the grandparents weren't grateful. They both felt so cheated by life that they were owed service, handouts, anything that was going. My mother and her brother, they'd used as hostages in their wars, and otherwise neglected. With me it was different. Since they no longer really fought, they had time on their hands and I got the best of them. They each spoiled me, mainly by giving me the false impression that I was entitled to attention nearly all the time. They played. They were like children, if you consider that one of the things about being a child is that you are a parasite of sorts and have to brazen it out self-righteously. I want... They were good at wanting, and I shared much more common ground with them than with my mother when I was three or four years old. Domestic life in the vicarage had a gothic flavour at odds with the house, which was a modest 18th-century building of mellowed brick, with low ceilings and attics and back stairs for help we didn't have. It wasn't a spooky house, despite the suggestive cellars and the fact that we relied on lamps and candles. All of Hanmer did that, except for farmers who had their own generators but we were frequently penniless, and there were always embarrassments about credit. Food rationing and clothes coupons must have been a godsend, since they provided a cover for our indigence. As long as austerity lasted, the vicarage could maintain its shaky claims to gentility. Underwear was yellowed and full of holes, minus elastic. Indoors, our top layers were ragged, too. Matted jumpers, socks and stockings laddered, and in wrinkles round the ankles. Safety pins galore. 
Outside we could pass muster. Even if my overcoat was at first too big, I would grow into it. Then all at once too small, without ever for a moment being the right size. In those years, almost the whole country wore this ill-fitting uniform designed for non-combatants. Our true household craziness expressed itself in more intimate kinds of squalor. For instance, nearly never washing the bits no one could see. Inside our clothes, civilization had lapsed, and this wasn't to do with money. Grandma had the scented soap, but she didn't use it. She kept it wrapped in tissue paper in drawers and trunks. We even had a bathroom, but somehow the only way to wash was to boil the kettle and fill a bowl and do bits, very little bits and usually the same bits, at a time. Hairbrushing was usually felt to be enough of a trauma without the business of tangling it up all over again with washing.